You don't need every threat intelligence feed in existence or the shiniest of tools and toys to build a solid CTI program. What you really need is experienced and talented cybersecurity professionals that are dedicated to the mission at hand and have a firm understanding that our past experiences matter and play a significant role in preparing an organization for the future. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with Hims. Today I'm sitting down with John Whetstone, Vice President of Cybersecurity Services at Clear Data. And today we'll be talking about holding the modern frontline to secure the healthcare cloud. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Clear Data for sponsoring this podcast. John, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think is the greatest opportunity in terms of gaps in healthcare cybersecurity strategy today? Vulnerability management is one of those areas where most, if not all, organizations really struggle uh, or even have chances for improvement, I should say. Uh, Since healthcare has been a bit of a laggard in terms of cloud adoption, you'd, you'd think that uh, when they do move uh, applications to the cloud, that they would have been refactored or at least updated prior to making that migration. But as a service provider, we we don't seem to see that happening as much as we'd like, right? We still continually see uh, lifted and shifted migrations of applications to, from the data center to the cloud. Um, not the best way to kick off your adoption of complex services, such as IaaS, you know, where it's really easy to accidentally expose an application and its underlying infrastructure to the public internet. Um, there's plenty of data that's popped up over the last couple of years that suggests that software vulnerabilities, uh, such as like Log4J or the variety of uh, Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities we've heard so much about, um, these have been extremely popular targets for threat actors and are really easy ways to gain initial access into organizations' workloads that aren't updated and that are exposed to the public internet. So prior to kicking off any migration, uh, I think that organizations should really prioritize digging into publicly available cyber threat intelligence data and seeing if vulnerabilities that match up in that space of actively targeted by threat actors align with vulnerabilities that exist within those applications that they plan on migrating. If they are, security leadership at, at these organizations should be doing what they can to really put the kibosh on that migration until these vulnerabilities have been remediated. Can you tell us exactly what is cyber threat intelligence? Yeah, sure. This is this is a fun one. So if you go out and do a quick Google search for what is cyber, cyber threat intelligence, uh, you're going to return a little over 83 million different search results. Um, many of these are typically going to focus their definitions on threat data, which in and of itself isn't intelligence. Uh, one of my favorite definitions comes from CIS, um, and it states that cyber threat intelligence is what cyber threat information becomes once it's been collected evaluated in the context of its source and reliability, and analyzed through rigorous and structured tradecraft techniques by those with substantive expertise and access to all source information. So long story short, when you start seeing things like IP addresses that are associated with threat actors or domains that threat actors use, which uh, typically show up in threat feeds, and a lot of times you're going to see vendors kind of pushing threat feeds and these sorts of things, right? And we have the most IOCs out of, you know, any vendor that's not necessarily threat intelligence. That's threat data. It's what you do with that data after you've received it and relate that back to your organization and its exposure uh, to these actors when it becomes intelligence. So what role does cyber threat intelligence play in a healthy cybersecurity strategy? Intelligence is king, right? Without it, you're essentially flying blind from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, left to simply react to what your tools tell you is a threat. Uh, reliable CTI provides leaders with information that they need to drive business investments and new tools 
or talent. And it also gives boots on ground operators the tactical data sets they need to preemptively eliminate a threat or seek out threats that have already bypassed autonomous prevention oriented tools, such as firewalls or endpoint security tools. Now, how does CTI prepare a healthcare company differently than your traditional measures? An effective CTI program is, is going to help facilitate a much more proactive approach to cybersecurity. Right? You're never going to be able to completely remove the reactive aspects of cybersecurity, uh, but you're for sure going to be in a much better place uh, than you would be if you just sat around waiting for an alert to fire from one of those prevention-oriented tools that I've mentioned before. Now, you said that CTI is both a strategic and a tactical play. Could you uh, maybe explain both those scenarios to me? Strategic intelligence is intel that informs high-level decision-making at an organization. This is the type of intelligence we typically want to feed our management or executive leadership or even our board. It's going to do things like help organizations understand what sort of security technologies and controls that are needed and where those tools should be deployed within the environment to have the most impact. Tactical intelligence is more focused on specific techniques, tactics, and procedures, or TTPs, uh, that actors are targeting or they're utilized within our industry. Within this subset of intelligence products, you'll see things like IP addresses, domains, or even the tools that threat actors utilize when they attack their targets. Uh, defenders are going to take this very technical data and they're going to feed it into tools to facilitate more preemptive blocking of these tools or eliminate an attacker's ability to use these tools within their environment early on. Uh, and they're also going to use it to build response processes to make just a generally more effective defense. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of investment needed to get this kind of program off the ground. Could you maybe tell us what size of team, what kind of investment we're talking about? Yes. Uh, so building an effective program in-house requires serious resource commitments. Uh, it's going to take time and significant financial investments in many cases. Uh, you're going to have to find the right talent, uh, the tools that you want to bring online. You're going to do establish connection and analysis processes. And finally, integrate the output into your decision-making processes as well as the technology that you manage. Uh, I had extremely high standards for who we wanted to bring at the Clear Data CTIU or Cyber Threat Intelligence Unit, as we call it. Uh, they needed to have former military intelligence or agency expertise. They needed to have a background in threat actor targeting or serious chops when it came to simulating threat actor behavior. It took us as an organization well over a year to get the right people, processes, and technology in place and to start executing against our mission. Wow. Um, so are there some initial steps you'd recommend for someone to get, you know, a fledgling program off the ground? Yes. For a lot of organizations, making the investments that we just mentioned might not make sense right out of the gate. In a lot of those instances, my recommendation would be to seek out a vendor uh, that's right for your organization to partner with. Uh, I'd look for one that has experience working directly with your industry, not general repurposed threat feeds and information that they're positioning as healthcare-centric intelligence. But again, seek out someone that really does have that hands-on experience with, with the industry. Also, keep in mind, I think that there's a, there's a lot of information that comes out of the U.S. government. Uh, they make a concerted effort to really keep healthcare organizations informed and in the loop. Uh, even if you can't dedicate individuals to a discrete CTI program, it's worth tapping into alerts from CISA, HHS, FBI, and NSA. All of these organizations aggregate information either via RSS feeds or simple email mailing lists that can be pointed to a Slack channel or even internal distro lists. I'd also recommend that folks pick up a book called Intelligence-Driven Incident Response, Outwitting the Adversary by Scott Roberts and Rebecca Brown. It's a great read, and it ties together CTI and incident response and provides a reader with a good number of tools to jump in and, and, and start a program up. Now, John, for a program where they're already digesting external intel sources like CISAs, what would a next step look like 
to mature an organization CTI program? Early on, programs are likely to be more focused on establishing reliable external sources for collecting data from. Uh, This can sometimes create tunnel vision where orgs collect commercial threat feeds that really require large budgets to take advantage of or to procure. Right. While there's absolutely value in collecting external commercial feeds that you pull into to your program and even open source intelligence data, the really value is going to come from your own endpoints, your own network perimeter devices and vulnerability assessment data. This provides insight into who's targeting your organization, not just what actors are active in the great wide open Internet. Once organizations feel like they've mastered these foundational concepts, I'm always inclined to suggest that they take a look at processes like active defense or addition, additional adjacent intelligence cycles like feed. Uh, these are excellent for developing aggressive cyber defensive units that bring the fight to threat actors. And of course, that's within the bounds of your own network. Um, and to drill down into those a little bit, because we usually have questions about, well, what is active defense or what is feed, right? Active defense is a term that's commonly associated with a set of advanced defensive tactics and techniques within Uh, the intelligence-driven incident response framework. Uh, In uh, this particular model, defenders are proactively utilizing denial, disruption, degradation, and even deception to interrupt attackers' operational tempos. This forces these attackers to go off script uh, and reveal themselves in instances where they normally bypass traditional security technologies. And FEED uh, is an acronym that stands for Find, Fix, Finish, Exploit, Analyze, and disseminate. It's another alternative intelligence cycle that uh, we in cybersecurity have borrowed from the military and intelligence communities. It's a very tactical focused intelligence cycle. And it really shines by having your incident response teams feed information they've captured during IR engagements back to your intelligence team. At that point, the intelligence team takes that information, exploits it, and uses it to find other TTPs associated with the actors that are targeting your network. We've had a high degree of success in relation to actor attribution and TTP fingerprinting when when using this methodology. It's really boosted our ability to find and eliminate persistent actors from our client environments. Both active events and feed are discussed in the book I previously mentioned. But if you're really interested in learning more about active defense, I suggest spending some time with a guy named John Strand from Black Hills InfoSec. John teaches an excellent course on the subject entitled Active Defense and Cyber Deception which is one of his pay-what-you-can courses. Uh, And he's also authored a book entitled Offensive Countermeasures, The Art of Active Defense. And if you're unfamiliar with John Strand, I suggest you correct that. He's got a great mind for cybersecurity and a really impressive resume that backs up everything that he teaches. Terrific. Now, John, is there anything that healthcare organizations should avoid when they're implementing a CTI program, like wasteful tools or strategies? Yeah, I think so. Um, as with many cybersecurity markets, right, there's always going to be vendors that are overpromising and significantly underdelivering. One thing I think we learned really quickly is that you don't need every threat intelligence feed in existence or the shiniest of tools and toys to build a solid CTI program. What you really need is experienced and talented cybersecurity professionals that are dedicated to the mission at hand and have a firm understanding that our past experiences matter and play a significant role in preparing an organization for the future. Also, I think for the team to be really successful, you're going to need to have buy-in at the senior executive and board level. Your CTI team is going to provide you data that you need to make informed decisions on where you need to invest in cybersecurity and even how you develop and manage your application life cycles. Many times this data is going to be at odds with how individuals may feel, but that's okay. 
it, in this particular practice, feels are a lot less important than facts, and CTI teams are in the business of delivering facts. Great. Now, John, I just have one more question for you. If our listeners would like to know more about Clear Data, how can they get in touch with you? I'd point people to our website. They can learn more about Clear Data there, and they can also initiate a conversation with someone on our team via the website. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all those great resources. And a special thanks to Clear Data for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mary. I appreciate it. <laughs>